After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Thank you, Dave Slade, and thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America podcast. Our Baseball America podcasts are sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you're a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit their retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017 to save 20% off. John Manuel and J.J. Cooper here with you on another Baseball America podcast. Hope you enjoyed the uh, Kyle Glazer and Matt Eddy handling the Padres. We are turning, rounding third, headed for home, J.J. Four to go. Going to talk a little Arizona. Three after you went, by the time you're done with this. I, I, I mean, I know that's a little sadness in some ways. These have been fun. They have been fun. You know. This is correct, sir. But but at the same time, uh, it is time to put prospect season to bed and uh, and, and turn our, our gaze to 2017. Right. And so here we are, and we, we're talking Diamondbacks today. And talking Diamondbacks is, Could we're talking brief. about one of the, uh, let's just be completely blunt and honest about it, one of the worst farm systems in the game right now. And that's something, that's not just us saying that. That's being said by Diamondbacks head Mike Hazen, who says, we've got to get better. Well, and the thing is, to do that, I don't think the Diamondbacks have to overhaul their scouting and player development. I also think the Diamondbacks do a pretty decent job of scouting. I think they have a lot of good scouts, and I think that they've made some pretty decent draft picks. I would not say that was the case in 2016. I didn't love Anthony Greer where they took him. Of course, they also didn't have a first-round pick. Right, but they took Anthony Greer, J.J., over a couple of college SEC center fielders that we definitely had ahead of. So you're taking an SEC center fielder and Anthony Greer. And we had Brian Reynolds and J.B. Woodman both jacked up ahead of Anthony Greer. They took Anthony Greer. Anthony Greer strikes out as much as those guys, offers less power. Um, I think he's, if he can't play center field, he's more of a left fielder, whereas Reynolds has enough arm to make right field a possibility. Woodman certainly can play right field. And in terms of hitting ability, the hit tool, I think Woodman and Reynolds are both ahead of Anthony Greer. Anthony Greer runs better than those guys. Mm-hmm. Might be a little bit more athletic, but he's also much more raw. So for me, they but, took the third best SEC center fielder but we who like, was available on the board. But we like their first round pick from the year before a lot. Yeah, we, we we are we are Dansby Swanson fans. But that's where I was going to go is that um, there are only two other first round picks for the Diamondbacks. Like their first, their top pick in this top picks of the decade chart we do in the handbook. Only two other ones even in the organization anymore. One of them, striker Trahan. I mean, just just a, bu- a bust. Uh, just not a good pick. That was Braden Shipley, who's. The closer he's gotten to the big leagues, the less impressive his stuff has been. He's still he made the major leagues. I would say it's a successful pick to an extent. Let's see what's gonna go on. But usually college pictures you have athleticism and stuff 
move quicker and accomplish more in the big yes. leagues by this time. But everybody else, Trevor Bauer, Tukey Tucson, Dansby Swanson, traded. You know, you go back further, there's some bad picks. I think this organization has, in general, J.J., made some pretty good picks even later in drafts. But uh, they had a front office. They've had so many front office changes. I think some of those area scouts in their organization who've been there for a long time have had different philosophies foisted upon them from above several times in their tenures for the Diamondbacks. This is a newish franchise, but since 2005, when Joe Gradiola Jr. Uh, was forced out, I believe, as GM, whether he left of his own or I, I forget back then, but they've had four GM changes since then in the last 12 years. So that's, to me, that's the number one reason their farm system is bad. It's not that they're bad at scouting or player development. I'm not even saying they're good at it, at it. But in general, it's been the fact that they have ownership that every two or three years completely changes direction. And it's like, well, it, you know, it, for better or for worse, it's like our presidential situation where you go from one, one example to another example. Or it's like the Red Sox firing Terry Francona and going to Bobby Valentine. You know, it's like we're going to go from players coach to a hard ass. We're going to go from this kind of president to that kind of president. And that, it, it has nothing to do with which one you favor. I'm just saying temperamentally, it feels like their ownership has gone from one temperament of GM to the complete opposite temperament. And he's done it a couple times now. And, and when you go from Josh Burns to Kevin Towers. And the thing that happens with that is, is you get this kind of schizophrenic organization where they're in, they're not, they're in, they're not. and Very true. And so what happens is, is you one year you're signing Zach Greinke and you think you're going to be in it. And then a year later, you're looking at it and saying, is Zach Reinke really a part of this team, you know, going forward? And I don't know if he really is because... You build, you rebuild. You build, you rebuild, you tear down. You rebuild, you tear down. And, and there's no consistent plan for scouting. There's no consistent scheme for player development. And there's no consistency at the big league level, JJ. And it's not like this would be... This would not be a top five farm system without the trades or anything like that. But right. if you had Dansby Swanson at number one... If you had Tuki Toussaint and Isan Diaz, which would be both in their top five. Oh, no question. That's two and three probably. Uh, Anthony Banda versus Tuki. I'd probably take Tuki, but it's that's 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 at least a debate. It's a debate. We'd be curious to see what would what, what we would do with uh, what Tuki would have done if he'd not been traded. I'd probably feel better about him as a brave player development wise, because there's a consistent plan there and there's not with Arizona. But, but I'd definitely take Isan Diaz over Anthony Banda. So me. So you've got those guys. It would be a different. It would be a different farm system right now. And the the frustrating thing, if you're a Diamondbacks fan, is is that you've got nothing for that. I right. mean, you you basically well, not nothing, nothing, but not much. To, for the Tuki Toussaint trade, oh, you literally nothing, nothing, nothing. all yes. you got is is that your owner got to put some money back in his pocket. That That's is that saying. is the yeah, vast. Phil Gosselin was just DFA, so that is truly right. all that you have. Is, hey, by the way, they got out front of that contract. Doesn't that make you feel good as a fan? I was thinking about the Shelby Miller deal, which, you know, obviously he was terrible in 2016. You hope there's better days to come for Shelby Miller. But, yes, that trade was epic in its lack of competence because it was a panic move. They didn't realize that they were going to pay this extra tax on Juan Lopez. We heard it at the time. It was denied. Story hasn't been denied for the last year that I've seen because it just keeps getting reported. Uh, it was brutal. And Yohan Lopez, I mean, just a mess. So it's sad. I hope that Yohan Lopez is just okay when you see this guy but, constantly but leaving that was, the free organization. That was another misstep was when brutal, you... Brutal misstep. 
when when you look at it and you say, okay, is is Yoan Lopez really the guy that you want to wipe yourself out of having the essentially one of the largest um, bonus amounts on the international market? They said nope. We would rather because we signed this guy, Yasmani Tomas yeah. and Leon Lopez. That's going to keep us out of it going forward. And that's and the thing about it is, is if you're going to do that, then the sense is is that go boring. Yeah, you know that's that was one of those that at the time Ben Badler, our international guys, like this doesn't make sense because these aren't the guys. There are guys that this is. It's not like going and saying we are going to put ourselves in the penalty box. Right. It's not a viable option on the international market because right. it has worked for team after team. But if you're going to do that, you have to pick the right players to do that for. That said, I do think the Diamondbacks' 2017 prospects are better than their 2018 or 19 prospects at the big league level. Because just like last year where you could say, there's a glimmer of all these things fall into place, they could contend. I do think that's true for their big league team. But what I foresee happening, JJ, is that they're going to not start well. Everything won't fall into place. And then you have to trade off some pieces and try to start a rebuilding process. That's that's what I foresee They're, happening. They strike me very much as what we've talked about when we did the Marlins podcast. It's everything that you need to win at the big league level is currently at the big league level largely. Yes. And so what happens is, is that, and teams have gotten to this point, where they know it's not about your 25 that you put on the field on opening day if everyone's healthy you kind of go into it and it's about your 45 guys that you're going to use during the season. And that's where I'm worried. If I'm looking at the Diamondbacks and saying, what are they going to do this year? A lot of my worry revolves around, do they have the seventh and eighth and ninth starters? They actually have pitching depth. I'm not worried about that, to be honest with you. Um, Granke, Robbie Ray, Tawan Walker trade. Mm -hmm. I like They pick up an an extra young arm. Shelby Miller's not being asked to be... That front line. He's asked to be a four. But yeah, but I mean, but he, we know he could be more than that. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, he was really good for the mm-hmm. Braves. Um, Patrick Corbin, Archie Bradley's not being counted on. Brady Shipley's not being counted on. That's seven deep. Matt Cook, they have arms with big league Banda. experience and upside. I didn't even mention Banda. He's the ninth guy. So they actually have pitching depth. They're they're really c- contingent on, uh, to me again. Like they don't have position player depth. Mm-hmm. Their everyday lineup. Is pretty good, mm-hmm. but if one guy gets hurt, like last year when AJ Pollock got hurt, the whole house of cards came a tumbling down. So that's and they have and about. they are a stars. I mean, it's it's about Pollock, it's about Goldschmidt, it's about Greinke, it's right. it's about guys. They have to be at the top of their game because if there's not, because the Dodgers and the Giants are really good. That's oh, the thing. That's, that's yeah. another part of it. Those guys they have to have stars, have star level seasons because the Dodgers and Giants have stars who consistently have star level seasons, and the Dodgers especially have significant depth. So, like I said, everything has to go right. It, it doesn't surprise me that um, you know, Mike Hazen has been better at managing the margins of the roster than Tony La Russa and Dave Stewart were. And I, I want to just also just say one quick thing about Tony La Russa. It's easy to bag on him, and I'm, I'll do it again right now. He is, to baseball as Phil Jackson is to basketball, an embarrassment as a front office person. But I want to give him credit for one thing. Whether person in head of baseball operations elevated a black assistant general manager and Dejon Watson and a black general manager like Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart deserved a GM job maybe 15 years ago. He was assistant GM of the Blue Jays, didn't get the job when they hired J.P. Ricciardi and they pushed Stu out. And Stu couldn't get another free agent job. I don't know Dave Stewart. I mean, he got a free agent job, front office job. 
you know, he wound up being an agent. I don't think Dave Stewart was put into a great position when you haven't been in a front office for more than a decade. And, then and the game, general manager, and, and, and the game changed, changed significantly in that time. And Tomo Rusa, who should have been the most cognizant person of that, considering he was with the Cardinals, he saw the evolution of that franchise from one side to the other, he, he, and I, he resisted it. And despite his resistance, it worked. He won a World Series with it in 2011. You know. I, I don't understand how he was so resistant to it as a front office person, but he was. I do want to credit him, though. The Diamondbacks hired front capable front office people in Dave Stewart and Dejon Watson who deserved a chance, and I feel bad for them, especially for Stu. They were put in a position, a very difficult position to succeed in. The, the, the one thing that jumps out to me, like that I look at this team right now, you've got the depth chart, right? Yeah. Give me their catcher depth chart right now. Chris Sionetta and uh, there's somebody else I looked at. Jeff Mathis and Chris Herman. Chris Herman was actually pretty solid for them last year. I believe they also signed Hank Conger to a minor league deal just this week. I think he's uh, still having to go through his physical. Right, but, but so that's think, but he's not a regular. No, he's no, not, no, no, no. He's but not no, even no. on their forty man roster. No, no, I'm saying minor league deal. But yeah. my but this is my point on this. You want to talk about as far as better roster management? Right. That's the one that drove yeah. me. You Oscar know, Hernandez you know. Hernandez is their fourth catcher now. Correct. Hey, how about, again, this is... Fourth or fifth. And the thing about it is, is this is a team that, that was the thing that, again, from the start, when you go into a season, as they did, and you said, so who's going to be your catcher? And the answer was, you looked around, you said, well, we really believe that Peter O'Brien can let's, catch. Let's, let's put it this let's, way, We Jay, have Jay. a Rule 5 pick who played in low A last year. But we, we get, as sports fans, <laughs> I don't think it's that hard to smell BS. We, when the Cubs come out and say, we don't think Chris Bryant's ready, we're incredulous. Just come out and tell us that you're holding him back for a week because it makes more but they sense. Can't. I'm, exactly, they can't. But that's different. That rule is stupid. But that's, but that's different, though. That, that's different, though. It's entirely different because they I'm can't do that is, without my, getting sanctioned. My, correct. My point is, the we, as sports fans, we smell the BS. And we get upset and upset by the BS. We get offended by the BS. I wish we were as offended all the time. What the Cardinal, what the, what the Diamondbacks did was they lied, to, and they just lied, straight out lied, about their catching situation. Who does Tony La Russa think people, either was lied or he was just that wrong about Oscar Hernandez and Peter O'Brien. I think they were wrong, and the reason I, I say that, lied. but <laughs> then, then why did they do it? Because if you, it's one thing if you say, we think Peter O'Brien's our catcher, and you were going out there and you were acquiring a catcher, they started the season that year with Tuffy Ghostwitch. They thought Tuffy Ghostwitch was their regular guy. They didn't want to say it. I don't know how. What other explanation is there? They can't be that dumb. I just refuse to believe that Tony Larusa and Dave Stewart are that dumb. I, you think they're that dumb? I, That's the I, only answer. It's one or the other. They either lied or they're that bad of evaluators. Put it that way. Because I just don't think a guy who's a major league pitcher and a guy who ran big league catching for that long and had Yadi Molina as his catcher, I don't think. If they're that addled. But, That's the only answer. But when you okay, if you I think thought, they thought Tuffy goes to which is regular. If you thought Tuffy, if that's the case, though, why wouldn't you just say we think Tuffy goes which is regular? I think they thought it was him and Oscar and Hernandez. Those, those guys could do it. But, that's just I, I think that they I think they what they I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have other information. But you say they don't have an explanation. So you think they're that bad of an evaluator? I think that they thought Peter O'Brien could catch. Oof. I do. That's just frightening. Because if not, why would you? Put him, you know, like, this was a guy who had already had AAA time, 
and it's again, Not if you a catcher, really. but but it, but again, if you said, if you looked at it and said. Okay, look, we're going to publicly say it because there's a 10% shot. We should probably talk about the 2017 yeah. back. But you're right. It's either one or the other. It was So that's what I'm saying. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is that what jumps out to me their is... Their roster is managed so much better. Yes. Right. What I'm saying is, is that you look at this and you go, that was as bad a black hole of a position where there was nothing redeemable. And they did get lucky eventually uh, during the season. And they were able to eventually, not the start of the season, but eventually... Yes. Put a placeholder in there. Salt Lake, I believe. No, uh, uh, in the last year, Wellington, Wellington Castillo. Castillo. That which is a placeholder. They were able to put a placeholder in there. Even but Chris Herman's a decent placeholder. But the thing about it is, is now they're not depending on one guy. Now they have several placeholders. They have again. It's not again, like I the. Guess you have to be right again on this one. I have to be wrong. They just had to be that bad of evaluators. <laughs> I really feel like part of it's fake news. Like they just lied straight. But out. again, there's no, but there was no. Just, but there was no you're benefit. Right. You're right. I mean, there's no benefit either way. There's no benefit to the wrong evaluation either. But they 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 are very thin this year on uh, on the in the outfield specifically. We have Socrates Brito at number four in their top ten. I think you're going to see him in the big leagues a decent amount this year, JJ, because they just don't have outfield depth. But what? Who else besides Anthony Banda, who finished in AAA, and Socrates Brito? Is there anybody else in the system who you could see helping their big league team this year? Any other prospects you can see helping them this year? I mean, I mean, like Domingo Leyva and Dawel Lugo, I believe, are on their 40-man roster. I said I don't see either of those guys in the big leagues this year. I could see Jack Reinheimer as a placeholder middle infielder. That's really kind of what he is, a former East Carolina grinder middle infielder. I mean, Tough kid from Pennsylvania. He's a good ball player. I don't think he's a big – I don't think he has big is there, I mean – I could see maybe you could find a guy who's going to help, uh, you know, get some innings in the bullpen. Um, yeah, Matt Koch. You yeah. know, I mean, Jared. I always thought you pronounced Cook, but you okay. and I are the master. I, we are not ma- Neither one of us is a master pronunciation. I, I am the worst, and I apologize for that. That's but uh, Jared Miller, I mean. Jimmy Scherfe, maybe. You know, again, when we talk about he's not prospect eligible anymore, but I think that's probably Braden Shipley's role in the long term. In the bullpen, yeah, yeah it might be. Like I said, he's he's kind of one of those depth arms for them for sure. It could be a starter, or reliever. I mean, right, right, right now they're, you know, their their top relief pitchers are Fernando Rodney and Randall Delgado. So the bullpen could uh, the other swingman they have is Zach Godley, who's also not a prospect but, anyway, but kind of one of those kind of swingman guys. Not that we need to tell you that this is a. Uh, uh, bad a, a bad system, but again, the the ways you know that is when you look at it and you say, okay, number five on this list, Jazz Chisholm. There's some thing, there's some things to like, but this is a guy who has 62 games of rookie ball experience as the entirety of his pro career. And he has more strikeouts than games played in the yes. entirety of his career. That's another. Uh, you know, Anthony Greer is a supplemental first round pick. At least he's number six. I mean, again, the worst systems, he would be number three or four. Like, it, all, the all-time worst. Well, the other thing is, if he had a better debut, he'd have been higher. Yeah. I mean, he should be higher than Socrates Brito. But he had a bad debut, he doesn't control the strike zone, and he got hurt in his debut. That's one of the reasons he ranks lower than he probably should. I mean, an, an SEC everyday position player who does have tools, J.J., you probably should rank higher, but there's just not a lot of high confidence that you, I find among scouts in his hitting ability. Uh, people like the tools and the physicality, but 
his swing and miss and, and inability to control the strike zone, uh, those go back far before his professional debut. So I'll take some guys I do like in the system. I like Taylor Clark. I've always liked Taylor Clark. I argued with our own Bill Mitchell about moving Taylor Clark higher. He's had Tommy John surgery. He'll be 24 this year, so he's a little older, but he performed a lot in college. He throws a lot of quality strikes at the fastball. First full season, he pitched half the year in double-A, moved quickly. He's more of a back-of-the-rotation type, but he does throw a lot of quality strikes at the fastball. He's got a good I, side. He's got a good pitcher's body. It wouldn't shock me. I think Taylor Clark's a good was a really good sign. I think he's a good prospect. I, I like him as basically a better the righty-lefty. I like, in this case, the righty better. Alex Young is another guy who... Oh, no, he has much more stuff. Than but I was going to say, who fits the, fills the strike zone. But the thing about Clark is, is Clark, I like, Clark has stuff to go with it. Whereas Young, it is, you better, it's very, you better be very fine. Because right. the stuff has always been just a tick below what. Right. I mean, but he is an interesting left-hander. You know, I think, to me, pitching staffs can be a lot like a lineup. I don't think it, I mean, unless everybody's awesome, like the Mets guys. Or like the Mets had, okay, we had five pitchers who were kind of the same. And Harvey and Syndergaard, DeGrom all these power arms, but you, that's where, like, I almost thought that Bartolo Colon was a great change. He was a sorbet. He was a palate cleanser. But if you're facing that, if the hitters are facing, if you're in a three or four game series of the Mets, you weren't just facing hard, hard, hard. You had to mix, you had somebody who mixed things up in the middle, or Steven Matz. I, I do think that matters in a series. Just talked to enough coaches about it over the years, both in college and professionally, where that lefty with off speed, that's one of the reasons he works. He's a change of pace, and he changes up hitters' timing. If your whole team, let's like if your whole lineup, everybody walks, that's great. Theoretically, it works on paper. I think that that kind of goes kind of guys taking advantage of just like a team with a lot of power hitters, but they all strike out a lot. That, you know, you, I think you have to mix up. I think a little variety. Matt, Eddie, and I have had this conversation in past podcasts. I think a little variety. It, it, you can carry one or two of those guys. You can't have six of those guys. I think it's the same thing where Alex Young in the right situation can work. But in a vacuum, he's just a little shy. But they do have, you know, a couple of potential real power lefties in their rotation with Patrick Corbin and Robbie Ray, who, you know, are interesting. He would be a little, again, a little different if he gets to the big leagues. But, you know, for a guy who's supposed to be really polished, J.J., spent the whole year in A-ball. You know, low A and high A, he didn't move as fast as Taylor Clark did. So that's and again, and again, again I, know that, I know that the Cal League is the Cal League, but you... Uh, and Taylor Clark conquered it. Taylor Clark conquered it, and Alex Young, you would think, is the guy. The reality is, is he's the guy who should be better in the low minors than he is in the high minors. Right. You expect that there's going to be kind of this deterioration that comes when he hits double A and above, and when secondary stuff, uh, ability to command secondary stuff is less important, and right. ability to command the That's fastball exactly. better. That's exactly right. And he they hit and anymore. they hit 289 against him in high A last year. That's a great point. I, I, That's the kind. Point. I mean, that is again the kind of guy usually who high A is where he's like, please let me feast on these guys. The other guy, I think you mentioned him when we talked about guys who could help in the big leagues. But I, I want to make sure we spotlight a little spotlighted a little bit more. Jared Miller, the lefty, was really good in the fall league. Finished the year in Triple A or sometime in Double A and Triple A. Another Vandy guy, another Vandy boy, ahead uh, of the big leagues. Uh, he was nasty in the fall league, and I think that sometimes gets prospects overheated. I agree. He's a number 19 on our list for a reason, because he's a lefty reliever. But he was really good in the fall league, and I do think, again, if they're in contention this year, I think you're going to see a lot of Jared Miller in their big league bullpen. Uh, are there other guys in the system that you like, JJ? <laughs> uh, Luis Alejandro Basabe is a guy that, that, not because he's great, again, he is the... 
uh, you hate to say this, but as the prospect, he is the lesser of the two. Yes, and the, Luis Basab. You know, I mean, in medieval times, we would have been known as Basabe the lesser. Right, but but uh, but you know, but AJ, uh, you know, this is basically he was called when he was when you had both Basabes yeah. on the same Greenville team. But AJ really did exceed expectations last year. Um, showed he was, you know, this was a guy who wasn't even sure to make a low A club coming out of spring training last year. He gets there. He shows survival skills early on, and then he, he very quickly kind of caught up to the Saudi League and really showed uh, a really good feel. Right. Again, he is the lesser tooled of the two Basave brothers, and neither of which is now. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Right. We went from two Basave Red Sox to zero Basave Red Sox. What does David Brodsky have against the Basave brothers? But They'd be a great wrestling tag team. The thing I want to see with him, I mean, again, and we are talking... It, I will be completely honest. If we were talking about a, a deeper farm system, we wouldn't be talking about him because he'd just be on the depth chart. I, I get that. But I do think he has a chance to be a big leaguer as a guy. You want to see, can he play shortstop well enough to be that utility guy? Right. That's the, uh, really, to be honest, that's the hurdle that, that leaves many a slightly less toolsy but good feel middle infielder. That's why they end a lot of them end up kind of on the double A, triple A, uh, you know, yeah, they, they get, they get into the runoff area of the, you know, the, the trucks come down the road and it's like, okay, you can't, your brakes don't work, go off the runoff area. <laughs> right. This is what happens to utility <laughs> infielders. Like, can you handle shortstop? No. Well, I'm sorry there. We're going to have to slide you off into yeah. the spend the rest of your career in double A and triple A. Cause, cause really part of that, the guys who, if you can't handle shortstop, if you can hit it, You'll get up there anyway. Right, but the thing about it is, is that when yeah, we have seen, it's definitely true that they will work with you as far as your defense to kind of you know to to make it where you're a playable second baseman, third baseman. Right. But the hit requirement for that, it it's much higher. No, it's much higher, and the power. Uh, right. Now the guys I'm thinking of are guys like Jacoby Jones or Ryan Rayburn or Ryan Roberts. Those are the kind of guys who are multi-position players who can't play shortstop. But they have power, and that's why they got to the big leagues and, and stuck around. We'll see if Jones can. And a guy like Cole Figueroa, who didn't have power, didn't. I mean, I loved Cole Figueroa coming up through the race system. Super smart guy, son of a big leaguer, savvy hitter, hit for effort. And, can't and stick. the bizarre ones, the bizarrest are the bizarre to me. If you is, is then you got the Sean Rodriguez's who completely yes. over a five year span completely flip what you think they are. Right. Well, to, he. That's that's part of it is a like you said like the more his glove those are, those are the survival he's a survival tools example mm-hmm. the glove and the ability to play shortstop and the athleticism to play multiple positions got him to the big leagues and now he's learned to hit mm-hmm. pretty interesting and the funny thing is is as the glove has deteriorated yeah you now it's someone where the pirates could say yeah we're gonna put him at first base tonight yeah why well, don't the gloves that terrible I man he played first base because their first baseman were right Tom but, Jason but what i'm saying is, is that his bat was good enough his bat and don't again i i thought cole figueroa was a sean rodriguez type another guy whose dad johnny rodriguez has been a long time minor league coach cole figueroa's dad ben figueroa got to the big leagues long time minor league coach I, I actually thought they were that, that sean figueroa I mean, sean rodriguez gave me hope for cole figueroa but but the power is the separator the power is the separator and the other is it's like you said those is, is that when you we when we talk about these guys like, okay, to, to put it back to the Diamondbacks, Jack Reinheimer, he, I don't think it's going to work for him. He I'm doesn't not, have the power. Because he doesn't have the power. But he does have, he plays shortstop well Correct. enough that you can, there's, there's a plausible path. 
That's why I, I again I, I actually argued with Bill about him too. I wanted him higher. I thought he could have been in their top ten because I think he's a very high floor player. He's not as athletic as Nick Ahmed. He's extremely reliable defensively. Short yeah, he's thought. not as good defensively as Nick Ahmed. But he's ex- no, he doesn't have the range, but he's extremely reliable. Mm-hmm. Very good hands, and uh, as uh, Tim Tim Corbin would say, the Vanderbilt coach, oh, he's got a great heartbeat. You know, he just does not. The game does not speed up on Reinheimer defensively. There's just not enough there offensively. So uh, another guy who's going to be a, an East Carolina big way, leaguer. They what, got a lot of sne- a lot of big leaguers that you wouldn't think of. One other thing that they have that is a complicating factor as far as development that we we talk about sometimes, but I think sometimes is not talked about enough. They they're triple A clubs arena. Yeah, and yeah, they play JJ almost exclusively in very offensive heavy environments throughout right, their but, minor league system, uh, with the exception of Kane County. But they, 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 well, you know, Mobile is again Southern League as a whole is is a pretty. It's yeah, that's that's true. That's a good point. But Visalia and Reno are very offensive. But uh, and so is Missoula. But but Reno especially to me because Reno is as crazy as it gets, and you don't just play in Reno. Reno means you're playing in Reno. You're playing in Vegas. You're playing in Albuquerque. You're playing in these parks where it's it's difficult for your pitchers because because really again things that. And you've talked about this before, but things that get rewarded in the majors get punished in the in in Reno. Correct. I mean, and we're not talking about. I think everyone thinks of that as you know, oh, it means there's so many more homers. Really, what it means more than anything is is that if you're a guy who relies on ground balls, relies on all of a sudden that ball gets through the infield yeah. really quick, faster infields. Your outfield's playing deeper a lot of times, so. Uh, jam jobs and little fisted uh, right. pop-ups fall in more often there. These are things that you don't And your breaking ball doesn't break it. That's All right. these things go together, and the difficulty of it is is that... Same thing in Colorado Springs. Same, same thing in Albuquerque. Same thing again. I think of the Mets because the Vegas, Mets are Vegas because the thing about at least with Colorado Springs is is that you know when, when the Rockies were there, I always like that from the standpoint of you might as well get used to this. This That's is, right. yes, does this reward you? No. And that was the tell of like, hmm, I guess the facilities in Colorado Springs really aren't that great when the Rockies said, we're out. Right, because they were the one team that you could look at this and say, this is good. This is a training ground. Our yeah. guys need to learn how to do this. And it's right down the street. They didn't go further. They didn't go to a less offensive ballpark. They went to Albuquerque. They just they were said not we... satisfied with what they had in Colorado Springs. But you do look at it and you say, a team like the Diamondbacks, I mean, I know that they play in a division where you're going to go to, you know, to, to Colorado and all that, but the reality of it is is that I do think that that does make it more difficult because their pitchers, literally, if you go from the majors, from AAA to the big leagues, you, it's in some ways, it's a, it's a different test, but yeah. there are parts of it that's a lesser test. Right. Like, no, right. if you are having, if you... Again, ERA is not everything, but not just ERA or ERA, but your FIP at all. If it's sub five in Reno, then you're like you can really look at it and say, okay, can I do the same in the big leagues? Because that is how insane. And the flip side of that is, is I know it does give you confidence. Yeah. But a, a guy putting up a 900 OPS in Reno, it's like okay, like. And then we again we see how much that helped Peter O'Brien. You know. Who's no longer their problem? So it's just a guy who, uh, yeah, if he had any defensive position, I think this guy would have been an uh, interesting big leaguer. But he doesn't. He doesn't have position. JJ, we have a couple Twitter questions, okay. and we'll wrap up on the Diamondbacks. Uh, Raised decals LLC asks, any chance of Kevin Crone going back goes back to catching? 
I believe signs point to no. I have not heard anything about no. Kevin Crone. And if you think Peter O'Brien is a, a great defensive catcher, I've got Kevin Crone for you. It's just not. If he could catch defensively, he'd do it. It wouldn't shock me if he got to the big leagues, but I think he's a little bit less feel for hit than his big brother, CJ. And uh, he had a nice year last year, but he's not really. To me, Kevin Crone is the kind of guy who's going to have to keep on proving. I know he's a third rounder out of high school. Going to have to keep on proving it. But. But by, by the way, uh, I did want to before you get to the next question. When we talk about it, just to sum up, when we talk about trades, I mean, I do. The thing that just gets me is is how gutted this system is because it's gutted because they and it's not gutty, it's gutted. Okay, thirteen. I mean, you talked about that they've had some good drafts, but they've thirteen. Aaron Blair, Justin Williams, Daniel Palka, all gone. Yeah, I mean, like Daniel Palka is one of those guys where you can't have too many. Daniel Polk is in your lineup, guys who strike out that much. But he has some. He has legit there's, power. There's some there there. And I don't understand why they <laughs> wanted Peter O'Brien in the old regime and didn't want this guy. Uh, 2014. Tuki Toussaint, Ethan mm-hmm. Diaz. Zach Curtis. All gone. Yeah, and Zach Curtis got to the big leagues with them and still gone. You know, and then 2015, Dansby Swanson. So basically, again, this the thing that stands out about this is, is it does feel I don't think we lump it in the same way, but their approach has been very similar in many ways to the Marlins approach. You're right. And you're right. As if you go back and listen to the Marlins podcast, John is rather incensed about how the Marlins have done things. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> that's fair. Um, but and they've done the same thing again. Like I do think a similar story here is ownership. I think of the 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 old ancient Greek saying, "The fish rots from the head down." But it comes back to there is difference. Like if you said that we were talking about the Giants or the Dodgers from this division and they did this, you could make a plausible case. It's like you're right. You are. If you are a 90, you know, if you are a team that could win the World Series this year, hey, you do these kind of things. You make these kind of moves if you need to to put you over the top. Yeah. But the Diamondbacks have made these moves. And it's not to put them over the top. And again, part of this comes back to, because we, we see this, we talk about changing from one GM to another. One thing that makes it easier to trade guys is they're not your guys. Right. That's right. When they're not your guys, it's easier to trade them. And Very you've had true. new regimes where it's like, well, these aren't my guys. And again, now we see some of the advantage of that. I do think, like, you look at the what Jerry DePoto's done right. with the Mariners, and Jerry DePoto. That was not a very good system, but the reality of it is is that it was a system where you say, okay, we're going to get what we can for Alex Jackson because we're not sure that there's going to be value there. Exactly. Now, it makes you, uh, allows you to cut bait. Uh, one last question from Fred Cole. Thoughts on two Massachusetts prospects, um, Ben Bowden and Ryan January. Now, Ben Bowden's with the Rockies, and I did tweet out that we were going to no. Rockies later today, which we will. So we'll save the Ben Bowden comment for that, for that podcast. But Ryan January, J.J., that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a uh, Texas Juco guy that you heard about, a very interesting Texas Juco guy, and that he left Massachusetts basically a semester early to enroll in Sanjac, where he was going to go to LSU, but wound up in junior college. Now, it sounds like Ryan January is from the bad first catcher phylum that also includes Stryker Trahan and uh, Andy Yerzy, their second-round pick here. So what's your take on Ryan January? <sighs> I I want to see, I mean, this is a guy, the thing that I worry about is this is going to be a slow path guy. Right. Especially at catcher. 
That's a worry. At the same time, when you take that guy in the eighth round. I mean, he was a DH in junior college primarily. Yes. He needs a lot of work behind the plate. Yes. But he's a guy who. I mean, 16 pass balls, JJ, 36 games this year in Missoula. Hoochie mama. You know, that's, there, there are some concerns. The left hand needs some work. That said, left-handed hitting catcher with some legit pop, all that, you know, I mean, you are essentially, you're taking a flyer, but mm-hmm. when you take an eighth-round flyer, you're taking... Grand, a little above slot. Above slot, but you're taking a guy there where you say, you know what, there's a chance. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is I have no problem with taking a chance there because there is a plausible path for him to the big leagues, and there's a plausible path even to being a big league starter. It is There is a lot of work and some luck and all that involved to get him from where he is now to there. Right. But I do think that that was going uh, that was going that was trying to hit a double or a triple, not trying to hit a single. And I respect that. And you and and let's be honest, if you're taking this analogy and straining it to way beyond where it should go, it's trying to hit that trying to hit that home run and you're sitting in a one two count. <laughs> where you're not choking up to protect the plate, you're looking at it and saying, "Okay, we're gonna we're still gonna take our shot." I know a couple other guys. We'll wrap up with this. I know a couple a couple other long shot guys that we could talk about, um, but that we like a little bit. Um, one of them is Mac Lemieux. I love to say his last name. Um, Mac Lemieux, a fifteenth round, a fifteenth overall, our top thirty left hander. Um, got a little banged up after he signed. But this is a left hander with some upside. And JJ, I know you like Drew Murin. Uh, right-handed, good story. Good story. A guy, a guy who basically a conversion guy who moved really, really quickly for a converted, you know, converted guy. Yeah. And it's velo from a low slot, which yeah. kind of always intrigues me because usually when we talk about these low slot guys, you're talking about guys who are who are you know okay, well he's he's 88 to 92, yeah. but this, you know this, what? This guy is not. This is not Darren O'Day or Chad Bradford. No, this is I throw really hard from a low slot. Um, it's a, it, again, it's a lottery ticket, but it's that is a low cost lottery ticket. Who I, again, I, I when we were writing the rule five preview, I, I kind of saw him as a guy who it wouldn't have been completely implausible for someone to take a look, right? Because it is he made it a triple A last year and it is absolutely legit stuff. If you said if you told me that he ended up pitching in the big leagues in 2017, wouldn't floor me, right? No, I, I agree with you so. There, there's some, you know, you look at like their instructs roster or their depth chart. There's some, there's some guys who you're interested in, but ultimately this is uh, one of the worst farm systems in baseball. And uh, I joked about it. We need to give Bill Mitchell some combat pay because Bill loves the challenge of doing the, uh, a bad farm system top 30, but he had to do two with Arizona and the Angels this year. So uh, if you don't already follow him, uh, Bill Mitchell on Twitter, I think it's Bill AZ Baseball Photog or something like that. Um, Bill Azy Photog, I think. I'll, yeah, I should actually. You like, have done, yeah, you should have had that before you. Uh, <laughs> I it's Bill AZBB Photog, so uh, worth the follow. Number one for that, and number two, uh, we thank Bill for uh, taking one for the team and uh, that was doing these two top top thirties. Those are tough. That was that was uh, again. I'll tell you, it beats you down when you do it. I can tell yeah, it we, got we, to we, him this year. It got to him because it was well, harder. Than it needed to be. It's well, harder for you to like players. But there's another st- step of it, which is that makes it more difficult. I mean, because we've both done bottom fl- yes. floor. You know, it when you are do- doing a great system. I got to you got to do the Cubs 
I believe, when they, yes, when, when they had everyone. Correct. Which was not that long ago. Yes. And I got to do... Um, you know the uh, Royals when they were the the you know the greatest farm system you've ever seen right. and all that, and the thing that it does do for you is it is very easy to find scouts from other teams to kind of cross check these guys. That's with. that's correct. We, it is difficult when you are talking about a system that does not have significant prospects. We we're going to do thirty whether they're you know projected or not whether. We do, we do 30. Whether you have 30 or not, we do 30. But when you talk to a scout who's seen a team, let's say he's seen Reno, and he's like, I turned in three guys from that team, or I turned in one guy from that team. Well, and you, you know, understandably, then you say, well, what about this reliever who wasn't very good last year, but who may make their 30? And the answer often is, I didn't, you know, I saw him. But I can't give you a whole lot because I didn't turn him in. Right, exactly. I don't think he's a big leaguer. You get that a lot. And when that happens, it does make it more difficult. Or when you're talking to scouts who you you know who have other coverage. This happened to me a lot when I was doing Cubs two, three years ago, especially. Even this year, JJ, where you run into a guy and you're talking to him about another organization, and then he goes, Oh, you know, I actually saw the Cubs too. Because he knows you, you know, these guys know I do the Cubs. They're like, oh, you had the Cubs too. Let's talk about the Cubs. So, you know, that happens. And that happens with contending teams that have some prospects. That's happened with the Blue Jays as well the last few years. Happened last year when I did Cardinals. It definitely used to happen when I did Yankees, when the Yankees were contending every single year. And you just ran into scouts who happened to have Yankees coverage because the Yankees were trying to buy their pro- their, their big league. No one prospects. was running into Arizona to see what. That's it. That, that just doesn't happen with bottom-feeding teams. And the Angels have been there for several years. So it's harder for Bill to find guys who have angels covered. So again, or again, when they, when they do, it's like you've got to write thirty. I mean, you've got we right. both have gotten that speech before. Absolutely, you've got to write thirty of these guys. That's for sure. Because right. I don't have thirty. But we talked. Uh, I don't know how many minutes we talked down the forty. Forty. So we, 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 we always get right around forty, forty-five. Uh, no matter. We give you thirty prospects for every organization, and you give you around forty to forty-five minutes for every podcast. So uh, thanks for joining us for this one. Want to remind you. That all Baseball America's podcasts and Facebook Lives also are sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you are a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit their retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017 to save 20% off. So for J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. Next podcast coming up. We stick around talking stick in Arizona. We'll talk Rockies, the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.